Welcome to City on a Hill Gaming, a tabletop RPG actual play podcast. To find out more, download episodes wherever you get podcasts, or visit us online at cityonahillgaming.com, or by sending us an email at cityonahillgaming at gmail.com. You can also support us on patreon.com slash cityonahillgaming. We hope you enjoy our show. Welcome back to City on the Hill Gaming. I am I am not your narrator, Ryan. This is um this is something else. This is Impulse Drive, and this is going to be uh Grant's here in just a second. But we have Ben. Hey, how you doing? Peter. Hello. Grant. Hello. And joining us for the first time, we have Liz. Hello. And uh Welcome Liz. Yay. Liz is Hooray. going to be playing Impulse Drive with us. And hopefully Indeed. some other stuff in the future. Um <laughs> So, yeah, Grant. Oh, I should wait. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this on Twitter again. I want to give a shout out to. Um, I'm going to say Matadric. I may be wrong about that. Uh, but he's actually the creator of Impulse Drive, and he started following us on Twitter and has jumped in the Discord with us. So, what's up? Uh, we hope you're enjoying this. And now. We sure Grant... are. Yeah, we sure we are. And I'm sorry are. if I'm ruining your game. I, he um... is 100% not. Uh, so, Grant, do the thing. <laughs> All right, so I am Grant, and I am, in fact, the Space Master for this game, uh, which, of course, is the delightful title that the GM gets. It is. It's wonderful. But um, we start off every session of Impulse Drive after the first one with a special move, and that is the previously on move. So when we start a new episode, we go through the following list. Briefly go over what happened in the last session, mentioning any highlights. List each crew member's hooks. You can take this opportunity to change hooks or write new ones and set the scene for the beginning of the session and begin playing. So previously on Impulse Drive, the story of the crew of the Desmond Doss, we introduced the crew. The Desmond Doss landed on Zagreus 3, I think it was, 2, 4, 5, Zagreus something, something like that. One of the Zagreus. Four. I think it was yep. 4. It might have been 4. And... um spoke with the head of a shipping company that um, had engaged, well, really sort of complained slashed leaned on the coalition government out here in this sector of space. And they said, well, you know, we've got, we got some guys. We'll send them to you. See what they do. So that's who you get. So RMD Logical Transport has lost a transport, which is a problem uh, because there are large, or well, scattered remote colonies depending on that transport, and that transport has not shown up. Word's gotten back, and you all were asked to look into it. After some digging, some failed attempts at stealing coats, some chasing a man uh, down a highway and then into a highway and then carefully tossing him out of the highway, uh, you all have determined that what appears to have been an AI and all of the server racks and storage that were needed to host that AI were smuggled aboard this transport ship, which uh, incidentally was called the, um, oh, what was it? I had it written down here, the Glacialis. And we left with you three headed back to the ship. Let's take a moment to review everyone's characters and hooks. And Liz, since you are new, I'd like you to start off. Who is 
your character and what are their hooks? Well, excellent. My character's name is Wynn Gale and she is, do you want me to go into like archetype and all that? Just, yeah, just a, a real quick overview of the, the archetype. Okay. Uh, she's a mystic, um, which for her means that she um, worships with an order and is out traveling the galaxy now. Um, her hooks, she is supposed to be a bastion of peace and wisdom, um, but she can't let go of her fear. She is actually very scared of just going out into space and doing things on her own apart from um, the people she normally is with. Um, and then her Shiana, is that how I pronounce that name? Ryan? Yes, yes Shiana. Okay. Sorry, Shiana's... I muted because I was typing. <laughs> Fair enough. Keyboard very So, um, Wynn believes that Shiana's curiosity isn't tempered enough with caution. And so she is going to feel like it's her job to make sure that Shanna doesn't get us all killed. Um, possibly being a word of wisdom here. And then she also feels like, is it Trevier? Trevor. Trevor? Trevor, yep. Trevor um, needs to understand that not every problem should be solved with violence. Excellent. And speaking of Trevor, yeah. Ben? <laughs> So I'm going to run uh, Trever Gold. Um, they are a uh, infiltrator. Um, their hooks are addicted to adrenaline. Uh, I take risks just for the thrill of it. Uh, also, I am suspicious of everyone. I can't let a secret stay unknown. And I think I can trust Shiana, but they must prove themselves before I feel safe opening up. Excellent. And since we've talked about Shiana twice here, Ryan? Yes. Uh, Shiana is uh, an intellect. She is, I guess, the ship's like mechanic normally. Um, her hooks are that her size makes her vulnerable to those more imposing. Uh, she will become obsessed at some point with a mystery to the exclusion of any danger around me. So uh, what Liz said is probably good. And uh, the last one is, I can't let Alistair, which is Peter's character, know how much they intimidate me. Uh, and she is oh. a, what is the word you used, Grant? Uplifted? Is that what I wanted? Uh, uplifted uplifted. Uh, otter person. Marvelous. And speaking of Alistair, Peter. Um, <clears throat> so Alistair is uh, a human. He's, uh, I took the warhorse archetype and as often seems to wind up being the case, I'm kind of playing the adult in the room. <laughs> Um, Alistair's hooks are I have fought alongside um, Sergeant Delane for years I will always come to their aid Shiana is like a child to me I'll teach them to be strong and I'll protect Trevor from anything even themselves Marvelous And we begin our action not on Zagreus 4 not with the three characters I was going to say heroes but let's, let's start with characters that seems rushing optimistic, back yeah. to the Desmond Doss. Yeah, those are big shoes. <laughs> they are big shoes. But rather, we begin in a small-ish, but somewhat roomy, shuttle approaching Zagreus Four. And on board that shuttle, Liz is Win. What is the interior of this shuttle 
like? What what stands out about it? It is very run down. Like it it's not it's passable. Okay. It it's not fancy. No one's gonna like pay extra for it, but it it's gonna get us where it needs to go. Um okay. some of the seatbelts work, but obviously like not all of them. And there's probably quite a bit of grime like on the floor. So like when you walk, your shoes might stick a little bit like gotcha. the movie theater floor. So the, the crew of the Desmond Doss has not exactly uh, kept up the interior of their shuttle. I mean, I'm not one to judge, but perhaps it could stand for some upkeep, maybe. There we go. You said that Wynne is not comfortable out in space on her own. Why is she not with the rest of the crew at this moment? What is she just coming back from? What has she accomplished? That is an excellent question. So Wynne's order has asked her to to basically kind of conquer the sphere, to go out and explore the world by just living in it for a time. And by world, I mean like galaxy or whatever. Um, so, so it's very minimal instructions to simply go out. Problem is, Wynne is pretty bad at directions, and she has managed to get herself somewhat lost. So, apart from just being scared to be out on her own, she has valid reason because she does not know where she is going at this point. <laughs> she has found her way onto your shuttle, um, okay. and she's kind of just along for the ride. So, so she's not been a regular part of the crew up till now, because that that was my, my assumption. But if that's not the oh. case, well, I mean, I could certainly. Oh no, that. I don't want. I don't want to contradict you. I'm just surprised. Well, okay. Don't don't let me contradict you on things. Okay. Uh, so I'm trying to jump into the story here, and I'm very flexible. No, that's fine. Um, I mean, is it possible you that you were? on like a pilgrimage or a retreat to try and, sure. and resolve this issue. And you're kind of basically coming back from leave. Yes, that I think, let's do that. That sounds perfect. Okay, neat. Uh, last important question, what's the shuttle's name? I know I'm putting you on the spot for the hardest thing in the world, naming a character <laughs> or a vehicle. <laughs> and describing it. I feel like I'm making a lot of decisions for the group You're doing here. great. Well, thanks. Um, I don't like picking names. That's fine. I'll so, throw it to the rest of the crew then. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, I wanted to stick with. I wanted to fit the, fit the Desmond Doss, but also at the same time, um, make sense for just like how ridiculous we are as a group. Because I don't think we fit our ship necessarily. The Ridge Runner. I don't mind that. The Ridge Runner. Okay. Excellent. Alternate suggestion? Scrambler? I am also fine with Scrambler. I'm good either way. Because it's a it, it this feels like a last last ditch ship for us, frankly. Yeah. Sure. We'll call it the Scrambler. I like that. And that if nothing else, we'll we'll go with that. Excellent. <laughs> so um Alistair, Shiana, Trever. You get back to the ship. Your XO looks at you and it's like, all right, well, you're all in a hurry. Uh, I assume we're going to be heading out soon. Well, uh, 
does seem like things are of a time-sensitive nature. All right. I'll start prepping the ship. Uh, and right at that moment, your comms officer uh, pipes up. Uh, sir, sir, I've made contact with the uh, the scrambler. Uh, Wingale is uh, coming back aboard. She should be here oh. in uh, ETA's 11 minutes, 30, 38 seconds. Um, okay. Uh, I guess we'll ride back with her. No, sorry. What do you mean? I think we're already on well, the Desmond and she's, she's coming back to the ship. Oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, the the scrambler is is heading back. You could, of course, meet it in orbit. Nah. Yeah. All right. We'll, we'll wait for her. Um, I guess I'll start heading towards the dock where the scrambler will come in, though. Excellent. 12 minutes later, when uh, is there as the scrambler docks and is uh, disembarking. What's the uh, the access to the shuttle look like? Is it sort of a um, Star Wars style big loading ramp at the back of like the Imperial shuttle? Is it uh, more like Star Trek with the little doors on the sides? And uh, what, what are we looking at here? Are you asking me or Liz? I'm asking anybody. Okay, I got an answer. The... Um the ship actually like clamps onto the side of the, the shuttle like clamps onto the side of the Desmond Doss. There's a Mm -hmm. pair of airlocks that lock together. And then once the pressure is equalized between those, it opens. So it's like, there's always a hallway to go through to get onto the shuttle or from the shuttle onto the ship. Gotcha. Cool. All right. When give us a, or uh, Liz, give us a quick visual description of when as she's disembarking. Awesome. So Wen is um, not overly tall. She seems to be human, at least humanoid. Um, Maybe like five feet. So she's not short, but she's also not very tall. And she is wearing a huge, big, baggy black coat or hoodie type thing. It's got patches all over it. It's somewhat rugged. And as she's walking off the ship, her hood is completely pulled down so you can't see much of her face and and even her hands are hidden in the big sleeves that kind of flap around as if it's like you know belongs to a grown-up at one point and she's just borrowing it um so she comes off the ship and you see her pull her hood down and are surprised to see that it is an older woman coming off the ship and she has kind of long raggly gray hair and a very mischievous smile kind of like a mix between McGonagall and Mrs. Claus excellent I'm picturing like a long haired Dr. Pulaski from next gen season 2 well I mean like that same like impishness (laughs) but yes impish is good excellent I, I like it so I'm going to assume you all take a moment to debrief. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, probably have quite a bit to debrief about, actually. Sure, indeed. Um, And then I assume we're off to the first stop 
on the Glacialis's expected route, unless you guys have anything you want to try and do in the interim. No, that sounds very good. High priority is chasing down the uh, cargo. Yep. I'm along for the ride. Well, hopefully more than that. (laughs) On that note, we get to roll our first hyperdrive jump. When you power up your hyperdrive to jump to a remote or closer star system, you roll with alien. And who would like to roll with alien? Let me ask you this, actually. What is the relative positions of the crew? I've described there's an executive officer, there's a comms officer, but do you all have ranks as such or positions aboard the ship? We had okay. So based on the amount of typing I've done on the NPCs tab, just kind of filling in our Patreon backers as characters, uh, some have titles, some have actual ranks, and we have a lot of people with responsibilities. Excellent. But what about you four? Uh, Shiana stays in the lab unless someone makes her leave. Okay. So resident mad scientist. Yes. Marvelous. Alistair's um, probably attached to the security team. I, I was kind of have thinking that uh, Trevor would fill kind of the, uh, <clears throat> especially since knowing that the hyperdrive thing, um, kind of the the Sulu esque role, um, navigator of of navigator, but also like away person. So mm. on ship, do the do the the drivey. Uh, when we get to location, hop off and let somebody else park it in orbit. Okay. So, uh, Liz, does that make Wynn the captain or something else? So I was thinking Wynn would be more like the Deanna Troy. Okay. Kind of hovering around, checking in on everybody, figuring things out. Ship psyker, scientist, yeah. sure, myst- that. mystic, doctor, counselor, etc. Excellent. Yeah. So who is actually in charge then? I would say Alistair probably out of the descriptions we've given has the most rank. He's probably one of the higher ranking security people. Okay. If maybe he might even be head of security, honestly, he's older and stuff. Okay. Sorry, I had a Monty Python thing going through my head about us changing captains every week. <laughs> Listen, you might. It's fine. But I'm, you know, I'm just curious who's giving the orders to go. I think my presumption is that's going to be Peter, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Alistair. We all just kind of turn and look at you. You're now the captain. (laughs) Okay. We we have confirmed that Trevor and I require supervision, so (laughs) I think that defaults him to in charge. Well, supervision is one of the things that Alistair can do, so... (laughs) Point me where you want the ship to go and I'll get there fast, but maybe not safe. Indeed. Uh, incidentally, by the way, you were, all are back aboard ship, which means that you can, you're back to your supplies so you can clear your gear slots. Hmm. So reset all that. And uh, Ben, it sounds like Trevor is going to be navigating us, and that means you get to roll with Alien. It's our first okay. roll of the night. Let's see what happens. So remind Great. me how we roll things. It's 2d6. It's 2d6 plus that stat. 2d6 plus the stat. Okay. The approach. Grant, if I may. 
Um, does resetting gear reset uses of gear as well? Yep. Perfect. Okay. Uh, for jump, let's see if this works. That, that works. Work? Looks like a five to me. Two, three plus two with a two modifier. Uh, yeah. Would be a seven. No, because oh. you rolled a one and a two. Oh, that's good. your three. Ooh. Plus two. Yeah, everything's yeah. fine. <laughs> Everything is, in fact, great. So, six minus, I get to choose two. Uh, from, you have to maneuver and work the drive hard to avoid the worst hyperspace turbulence. Mark one maintenance. You don't come out exactly where you expected. Your ship sustained one damage during the trip. You've picked up an unlikely passenger. Or the Space Master asks each crew member a question from the Abyss Stairs back. Ooh. Obviously, we're doing the last two because that's way more fun. So. Exactly the two I didn't want. Perfect. Oh, too bad. Look, <laughs> one of these is a boring Great. check a box. One of these is oh, role playing. No. So. I mean, look. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about into the, or the Abyss Stairs back. So. What let me start with this. What is hyperspace travel like? And bear in mind that there is something intelligent, something the same thing that Wynn may tap into, that something kind of at the back and underneath the universe that you all know. And sometimes in hyperspace, it's very hard to not hear it and not have it dredge things up. So, Ben, what, I have to ask you, for what does your character's darkest heart desire? Now you have a choice. You can either answer this truthfully, or you can decline to answer and take one stress. Mm. Okay. Um... Probably to be to be accepted as one without question. Like to, to be accepted as part of society without any question or um, apprehension. Okay, I like it. Shiana, what is she? What was? Excuse me, Shiana, what? does Shiana crave forgiveness for and from whom? Oh, I was preparing to answer the same question as Ben, and that's not what I got. <clears throat> Interesting. Um, We'll go with she craves forgiveness, and I'm going to approach this as she has been given forgiveness, but she is not forgiven herself. Um, the same thing that has her as a, not mechanically, but has her as a cyborg, like the three missing limbs that are replaced with mm -hmm. prosthetics. Uh, she lost three crew members too. Mm. And she hasn't let go of that yet. Sure. That makes sense. When? What terrifies when to the core? vast open nothingness of space 
and getting lost, like being utterly alone. Excellent. And Peter, what faint hope does Alistair cling to? That if everything goes right, they just might be able to buy a decade of peace and stability in the galaxy. I like it. While you're all ruminating on these thoughts that rise unbidden to your mind out here in the strange other space that is hyperspace travel, something not quite, reality stops in a bubble outside your ship and something more fundamental but less complicated extends past that. Alistair, your security crew rings you up. Uh, Captain? Yeah. We uh, we have a bit of a situation here in engineering. Can you can you come down here, please? Down uh, in Absolutely. the Absolutely. Uh, what am I walking into? He's talking as he's walking. Like, <laughs> uh, got ourselves a stowaway, Captain. Uh, human, <laughs> uh, uh, alien, robotic. Uh, human Even enough. More details as I'm on my way. Human enough, sir. All right, uh, young, old, middle-aged side of young. Interesting. All right, I'll see you in just a few minutes. <clears throat> like I said, he's talking as he walks. So indeed, you arrive to find. Later he walks into engineering. Indeed, you you arrive uh, in the somewhat cramped space that is engineering. Engineering is not say the. Uh, you know, majestic workspace of something like uh, Star Trek. This is a, a cramped engine room, you know, uh, wiring, cables, pipes, machines. It's a workspace. I think more like uh, the engine room of a submarine. And uh, sitting on a, uh, on a pipe in a little bit of disarray, uh, obviously recently disarmed, is a man in what passes for a cheap suit, whatever the equivalent of that is, here in whatever year this is, looking a bit disgruntled and also a little bit smug. So I'm going to ask you the obvious question first, because if I don't, it's going to be weird. How did you get on the ship while we were traveling through hyperspace? Well, I didn't do that. I got on before. Obviously. All right. Why did you get on this ship then? He kind of glances at your security officer who's got him not exactly, you know, at gunpoint, but definitely at glare point. Slowly reaches into his uh, coat, pulls out a identity card, says, here you are. Name's Donaldson. I'm with I'll a... I'll take the uh, card I'm and look a, at it. I'm what you might call a private investigator. Okay. What are you investigating on my ship? 
well, I don't actually much care about your ship exactly. Uh, I'm trying to get out to, what did we say the, uh, the next stop? The first, the first stop of the Glacialis was. I don't know that we did. We there mentioned was, it. Yeah, there was a planet that it had made its delivery to. It was, it was something Greek. We'll call it Borealis Two. Keep with the Greco-Roman theme. Making my way to, out to Borealis Two. Somebody, uh, well, my client is looking for somebody who may be trying to hide themselves away out there. Fair enough, but uh, um, does his uh, ID look like legit and normal? Or yeah, it does. And in fact, this is probably a good time for you to roll. And I am looking for the move here, and I apologize. It's not, um, this is probably a good time for you to scope it out. And scope it out uses what now? Calculating. Uh, seven. Seven? Great. You get to ask one of the questions from the scope it out move, which is in the basic moves. It's in the exploration column. All right. Give me just a sec here. Yep. But um, I will tell you, just so that we don't go over any obvious stuff, this looks about as legit as you would expect. The weapon that he's holding is the is a personal firearm. It's uh, not like government issue. It's not, um, you know, anything particularly exotic. It's the kind of thing that somebody working on their own might well keep. It's a little bit on the smaller, more uh, concealable side, which does sort of track in your experience. And there's that certain air of how dare you interfere with me that somehow always seems to go along with any PI. All right. Um, well, I'm going to ask the patently obvious question, which is who or what here is not what they seem? Um, good question. Probably his client, uh, either his client or the person he's after, because this is a weird way to try and track someone down. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. This is, this All is right. not, it is odd that he is slipping aboard your ship instead of booking passage. Yeah, I was I was kind of going to go that way myself if you didn't. So good. We're on the same page here. So um, I'm not really going to like, I'm not going to try and squeeze this guy per, you know, per se, but Alistair does have him posing as part of his appearance. All right. Um, he has a tendency to wear armor, you know, just kind of around. Um, he's about six foot four. He's about 250 pounds of solid muscle. Um, he's got that big bushy gray beard. He's, he's imposing. Um, so I will, I will hand him his ID back and just kind of, you know, standing in a neutral position, not, you know, making any kind of threatening gesture. I'll just ask him, so why stow away on a military vessel instead of just booking a civilian transport that's probably going the same way anyways? Something here does not add up. Next civilian transport out to Borealis 2 was over a month late uh, after this. 
And my client is paying uh, me for a certain amount of haste. Who on the who on the crew would I verify that information with? Uh, could be a number of people. Uh, Shiana might be a good bet. All right, I'll just uh, I'll just tap my um, com badge and you know say, hey Shiana, would you do me a favor? Check the transport schedules for uh, Zagreus Four, where we just came from. I want to verify something that our stowaway just told me. Will do. <clears throat> He says that the uh, the latest transport to where he was going is a month out. That seems excessively long. Can you uh, double check that for me, please? Yeah, let me look it up. Hold on. Uh, what do you mean to roll, Grant? Oh, this isn't a roll. Oh, okay. This is this, <laughs> this is, is some a, this oh, is okay. googling. This is <laughs> I'm not going to make you roll for Google, please. Okay. Um, uh, <clears throat> hmm. Uh. According to the data you have, the next ship bound for Borealis 2 is not actually even leaving from Zagreus 4. It's leaving from a different system. That one's 36 days out. Little more than a month, not even from where we came from. Good grief. I didn't think Zagreus 4 was that much of a backwater. All right, so I'll turn back to the guy. Okay, so your your transport timetable checks out, but that still only answers half of my question. Why stow away instead of uh, just coming to us with this? I mean, it's not unheard of for us to take you know people on legitimate business from place to place. We even have passenger cabins. True, and I'd be happy to avail myself of one of those, but... Let's just say I was in a hurry and I didn't have time to debate the matter, especially not with you. Well, so here's the thing. By taking that risk, you have given yourself a non-zero chance of finishing out this uh, journey that we're on in a holding cell instead of a passenger cabin. Why should I not do that? I mean, first of all, holding cells still probably a little more comfortable than the engineering space I stuffed myself into, so I appreciate that. Second, you may find me useful. I'm not without skills. I'm not a complete fool. For example, I got on board your ship without anybody noticing until, what, seven hours into the flight? Yeah, point taken. I'm going to have to talk to the rest of the security team about that, but point taken. So what exactly are you proposing? Put me up in a cabin. Doesn't have to be a nice one. And just keep me apprised, roughly speaking, of any developments that you come across in whatever you're doing, just in case it happens to intersect with what I'm doing. And once we reach Borealis 2, I'll hop off your ship. Thank you kindly. Put a good word in with my client for you. And be on my way. You'll never have to see me again. And next time, I'll see if I can actually ask to book passage. So who is your client and what are you doing for them? What are you investigating? I mean, we may be, uh, we may be on the same of... job as it were. 
there's a certain amount of privilege involved in that. We yeah. may be in, uh, investigating the same thing. We may not. I don't know. Until I do know, I need to respect their confidentiality. Oh, and I tell you what, I'll sweeten the pot. You can keep my sidearm. Oh, that was going to be a non-negotiable. All right, fine. Um, take a sidearm, check him for any other weapons or anything else that might prove dangerous to the ship. If he doesn't have anything, take him up to one of the second-class cabins. Those should all be relatively clean. And we'll see how this goes. He's led off by a unamused security officer, leaving you shaking your head. I'm going to, um, once he is ensconced, um, I am going to call the rest of the security team together and have a talk about how this guy managed to get on board in the first place. They promised to look into it. And to try Please and lean do. on him to figure out how. I'm not necessarily looking to uh, initiate any kind of a disciplinary procedure on this because mm -hmm. this guy seems fairly competent. But I want to know what hole in our net he slipped through so we can close it. Fair enough. All because right. we might not be so lucky next time. <laughs> there is that. On that, I think we can wrap that up. Anybody else doing anything while the ship is en route to this first stop? Uh, Shiana will be in the lab upgrading her arm. Excellent. Trevor? Trevor will be riding the uh, steering wheel. Um, okay. Enjoying the, the rocky road. So this is not so much a set it and forget it kind of trip? Or is Trevor just kind of prefer to be at the wheel even though it is he likes the the uh the adrenaline of like pretending at least like he's in control of the ship as it's hurtling through hyperspace okay nice i like that when when so question for you space master mm -hmm. um did anybody else hear that initial call for alistair to go down and figure out what's going on was that like over the loudspeaker or was that just... Uh, it was direct to him because he tends to work closely with security, but um, you can very quickly learn that this happened. There's Great. not a lot of secrets on a, a ship with a crew of <laughs> 15 to 20 I'm, people. Grant, I'm totally fine if I was standing right next to her when I got the call. Oh, Works fine. for me. Yeah, Perfect. that's just however y'all want to have that happen. Because when has that like neighborly old lady thing where she just kind of inserts herself into every situation she possibly can. <laughs> oh. And so um, she, she overheard that and she definitely followed and, and just kind of listened from the hallway and was intrigued because she actually, you know, purchased her passage um, on the ship. And so now she's just, she's going to wander around the ship, try to find, find out what's going on, explore a little peek in, mm -hmm. you know, alcoves. Sure. Well, I'm, this is probably the, the biggest unusual thing. This is a ship you're familiar with, obviously. it's It's been your home for some time, although mm -hmm. it's always weird coming back 
to a place after a long time away, right? It's like everything's familiar, but also this smells a little off. Something's mm-hmm. changed about this crew person. Some yep. Did y'all switch cabins? Okay, that's confusing. You know, all those little things. What's, what is one of those little things that feels like totally normal, but also off because Wynn's been away so long? Are you asking Wynn? Oh, of course. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, an easy thing would be just they, they clearly switched brands of the um, food rations. Oh, and, no. And I mean, that's not okay, but it's okay. Um. But otherwise, yeah, it's just that trying to trying to get her her space legs again, trying to just visit everything, reacquaint herself, and just to poke her nose in, see where everybody's at. Okay. Uh, anybody in particular that you're poking your nose in on? Well, I definitely want to keep an eye on um, Shiana because mm. you know, stuff's she's always a little rash. Shiana, how does it feel having Wynn back on the ship? Uh, first, she needs to understand that she is correct, and I have sent a strongly worded hollow message about the rations. I am also not happy. Um, <laughs> facts. Um, that was, in fact, logged uh, when you got to Zagreus, uh, Zagreus 4. Uh, there will be a second one sent in a fortnight, if necessary. Um just one at every stop? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need someone to understand uh, that this was not okay. Um, mixed do, do feelings. They, do they not fit your biology? Is there something about them that isn't suitable to... Oh, no, not at all. An otter? No, perfectly fine for an otter. Uh, perfectly not fine for Shiana. Fair enough. It's, it's all cilantro and oh, yeah. the, too much cilantro. It's, it's like everything. Like yeah. I, I was born and raised in Tennessee. It's everything about Southern cooking that I don't like. It's like baked beans, uh, sweet tea. Everything is sweet potatoes covered with marshmallows. Like it's just all the stuff I don't like, and that's yeah. just the standard. Got to keep the calorie level up for an active crew. Come I mean, on. you're not wrong, but. I there are other options and these are also awful. they were cheaper like they, that's they were probably five, accurate. Look, they won the bid and that's how government contracting works and now, <laughs> and now I'm sitting through a school board meeting again in my head thanks for that okay good and not to um, be the dissenting voice here but uh Trevor is all over the the sweet tea and the bean cooking and He's loving the stuff. Trevor gets a third of every one of Shiana's rations because it's the stuff she just actually (laughs) won't eat. Uh, Not happening. Classic Trevor. Fair enough. So yeah, Wynn sticks her head into your... To call the lab is perhaps a stretch. It's a closet with equipment in it. (laughs) Okay, that works. Uh, But it's her closet with equipment in it, so that's what matters. Uh, She is immensely preoccupied until she hears... and. you have opened the door, the door slid open, and you have been there for a good 60 seconds before she notices. Mm-hmm. Hmm, right? And then, hey, oh, every time. Okay. I ask you to knock, please. When? Oh, sweetheart. See, I did. Yeah. I knocked when I came over. You're just so busy. I, okay. Um, you're, you're back. Hi, I guess. Hi. Hi. Okay. So, what happened while I was gone? Uh, well, let's see. 
Um, <laughs> a bit uh, of Minnesota just slipped in there. I yeah, love I love it. It was great. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trevor almost got punched by some big angry men. And then Alistair almost got hit by a car. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, everybody's fine. Good. That sounds good. Yeah. And I see no one no one swept the floor. I, uh, yeah, the, the broom is in the corner uh, with several things oh, it, on top of it. Uh, but it is in the room. Uh, good. <laughs> yeah, Wynn just kind of nods and is happy. It's like, okay, dear. I'll just, you know, keep me posted. A quick okay. question for you. When were you, did your sabbatical start before or after Shiana lost three of their limbs? Um, that's a little bit of a question for Shiana. How long ago did that happen? Uh, I think... I think I decided it was either the mission before the game started or just like somewhere right around there. It's not been super long. Okay. Um, so I've probably been with you guys since. Well, You're, you've been around for a while. I would yeah. say if you've, if you've been a regular part of the crew and then took a somewhat lengthy sabbatical. Yeah. So I'm trying to piece together how long these different missions would take. A few days uh, to a I'm few going weeks, to say, depending. yeah, okay. So, um, this is a little bit new for me than seeing Shiana like this. And I probably had to. I imagine Shiana had to sit out a mission or two after sure. being put back together by uh, our medical officer. Um, and so, and she's she's doing that thing. She's doing the sit in the room, um, Luke Skywalker style, and like mechanically mm-hmm. upgrading her own arm. Mm-hmm. With like a little laser, um, but yes, our our medical officer Helena uh, put well most of Shiana back. Nice. Shiana's yeah, now so... about thirty or forty percent not uh, original. Okay, that's substantial. So so Wynn is doing that old lady thing where she's just kind of like a mom thing, like just waiting. Like, mm-hmm. are you gonna tell me what happened? Well, just I guess. We, um, oh wait, hold on, let me, let me go find the tab. Okay, um, when you got here, did you, when you got back on the ship, did you meet, um, did you meet Andre? He would have been in the bay, he's the, he's the new logistics guy. Uh, uh, he had to replace, he's here to replace Sarah. Um, Sarah and Vrem and L7, uh, uh, didn't come back. And I, I, I mostly, only oh, mostly dear. did. Yeah. Oh, Shiana, that's hard. Yeah. Are, are you okay, dear? Sure. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> well, that's just a lie straight out of hell. But yeah, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. And when it's just gonna go over and just give her a really big hug. Uh, Shiana is. Very resistant, and then melts like animals normally do. Oh, good. Oh, okay. And Wynn's going to try very hard not to, like, scratch her behind the ears, because she's pretty convinced that that's not okay, but also Shanna's <laughs> kind of a little bit of an otter, and so it's hard to resist. That's understandable. She doesn't. Uh, it, you're not the only person who does it. It's fine. <laughs> well. Excellent. 
Thanks. All right. Uh, Trevor and Alistair, this, this interruption aside, um, what are you all doing with your time? Are you working on something? Are you confronting crew members with disagreements that you may have? Are you hanging out? Are you just kind of just frittering time away? What's what's it looking oh, like? Now, after the the thing with the uh, stowaway, I'm conducting a full security review, so... Okay. There's that. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Trevor, how about you? Uh, no, just spent most of the time, like I said, on... Uh, uh, depending on how long this travel is going to take, if we're doing multiple day travel or uh, single day travel. Uh, if it's single day travel, he's just at uh, navigation... Okay. Yeah, this is probably probably no more than two days. You have good engines. Yeah. Um, then between shifts at the uh, helm, um, he would be, or they would be going back and forth from uh, um, his from their bunk to uh, not necessarily engineering. Uh, but yeah, the, com the computer uh, tool shed area, uh, very similar to what um, uh, Shiana's doing um, in like finding the little screwdrivers, the little laser uh, spanners, things like that without around nobody. Um, it, only when he's in his own time would be tweaking his arm. And that's the extent that anybody would ever see of him that is not humanoid or not human is the one arm that he has that's okay uncovered and and mechanical. Okay, is are you trying Great. to get it to do anything in particular, or are you just sort of just generally just keeping yourself functional? As far as everyone is concerned uh, that has ever seen it, it's just the like. Tightening screws, keeping things moving correctly, um, kind of uh, preventative maintenance is what it looks like. Okay, okay, that's fine. And Peter Alistair's working on solving the mystery of how this guy got on board the ship. Yes, I actually yes, but I have something specific I would like to do um, with regard to that. Okay, so. Um, <clears throat> Alistair will, you know, in kind of in the middle of like all of the, the usual like security stuff, um, he will, if any of the other crew members are around, you can actually see the moment when this thought like occurs to him because he kind of, um, kind of stops and sets down what he's doing and he goes and finds Win, And um, it's like, hey, we've got this, guy that stowed away on our ship on board and i think he's expecting probably our security team to be watching him like a hawk and they are but i have a feeling that you're gonna have a much easier time figuring out what's really going on with this guy than any of us will because you have a a less obtrusive approach <laughs> i would appreciate it if you would put your talents to work on that just you don't have to grill him or anything just you be you find out you know what you can about why he's here and what he's doing i would appreciate okay. it so 
here's why I'm asking you guys these things. This is all actually moves that the game incorporates. These are downtime moves. Um, first things first, before I forget, uh, Ben, there's one thing I forgot to do with Trever when you rolled the five on yeah. your um, hyperspace. That's to have you mark XP. One XP? Yep. You failed to roll, that's an XP. Woohoo! Oh, that's right. It's the <clears throat> yes. standard PBTA thing. That's right. But there's a downtime move. When the crew is relaxing after a contract or cooped up on the ship while traveling between stars, describe how you spend downtime and have little vignettes about it. So um, I would say when and Shiana, you guys spent time getting closer to a crew member. So each of you can choose to do one of two things. Heal one stress, and I don't think either of you has stress, or you have advantage going forward. That means that the next roll you make, you have advantage on. Ooh. The advantage is you roll 3d6 and take the better two. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So not quite the same as like 5e, but No, but still, sort it's still of similar. the same idea of take better dice. Okay, sick. Th this is 3d6, take uh, keep two. Like and of it. course, okay, disadvantages, cool. roll 3d6, keep the worst two. Uh, but yeah, going forward means your next roll, you get that. Whatever that roll is, you have advantage on. Peter, I'm going to say Alistair is working on a personal project, which I am tracking over in the clocks tab of the Keeper. You are working on figuring out how in the world this guy got on board. You're solving a mystery, okay. right? Yep. Uh, and I'm going to say this is a three-tick clock. It's an episode clock. It'll kind of go over these episodes. Uh, technically, I think it's a scene clock because this is, well, no. Eh, we'll call it episode. Doesn't really matter. Basically, over the course of this episode, we'll figure out um, where that, you know, comes in. And then you also will need the uh, assistance of Wynn, as you said. So you're going to need both of those things. Okay? So you okay. need to tick things along somehow. But let's just go ahead and say you guys get to the first waypoint on the Glacialis's itinerary. It should be noted that you all have, the Desmond Doss is a military ship with pretty darn good engines, as we've established. You could actually make it all the way to Borealis 2 in one jump. It'd be a long trip, but you could do it. The Glacialis is a cargo ship. It can make long hauls, but it's not ideal for the kind of engines it has. And so it makes stops along the way, not really to refuel so much as let the engines cool down and just sort of check in and that sort of thing. Uh, the check-in is mostly an automated process. There's a basically a beacon that records people stopping at this particular point in space. This is an uninhabited system. The folks aboard... The routes that pass through it probably have a name for it. It's got an ID code of some sort that doesn't really matter. The good news is the beacons travel logs. Oh, are yes. Public good old JX-427. <laughs> yes. But the good news is the beacons travel logs are public information. All right. So we can see who else has stopped here? You can, in fact. And you can confirm that the Glacialis was here on schedule. And this would have been probably the first waypoint they stopped at? 
Yes, absolutely. Okay. You know for a fact this was the first one on their itinerary. You've got their, the, oh, okay. the route that they were... You actually have the entire route of the ship because it doesn't just go to Borealis 2 and back. It has a whole set of places it's going to. Borealis 2 was the first place it was going that was actually inhabited. Question. Yeah. Um, and I may have to roll for this. Do I think looking at the record... I mean, granted, they got here. Did they get here when they should have? Yes. Okay. So they made it yeah. made it and made it on time. Okay. Yeah. That that's not something you need to roll about. That is you can tell. Uh well, let me, heh, I say you can tell. The record that you're given, yes, absolutely they made it here on time, you know, within the usual standard deviation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Nothing seems odd. Okay. So that's she, good. Shiana finds that odd. Well, they made it a third of the way, at least. Nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> yeah, it's a start. I mean, I what guess we thinking? just... So, I, Grant... Oh, sorry, Space Master. Um, Grant's fine. Trust me. I don't know that it is. Uh, not okay. anymore. <laughs> um, can we... If can, the title is cool enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, can, can the Desmond Doss travel about the same rate as the Glacialis can, in theory? Uh, it can. It'd be going pretty slow. So it'd be slow for us to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um. I guess I we jump to whatever the next waypoint I know they stopped at was. Okay. In in my mind, that makes I I just want to go point by point. Until or we either that or we jump. Eh, I think that. I think we just jump to the next place we know they got to. Yeah. Well, you don't know where they got to. That's well, the issue. The, the next point along the line that would have been on their route, I guess. Whatever the next uh whatever the next waypoint jump is. Yeah, absolutely. Is it another thing like we're at now where it's just kind of like a generic waypoint or is it an actual place? It's another uh waypoint and then the next one is Borealis. Which we know they didn't get to. Correct. Okay. Then yeah, I guess we just jump to the next one. Okay. I give uh I give Trever coordinates. All right, Trever. Yeah. I know what to do. Heading in, clicking on things. Hit some triggers. Let's see what happens. Let's roll. Oh, that's real good. That's a 13. Much better. Excellent. Uh, you travel with no complications. Smooth sailing, gears up. Smooth sailing. Although, I say that, you get to about what you would guess is probably... Two hours out from the next beacon for your ship, probably about half a day's journey or more for the Glacialis. Again, it's going slowly. When you encounter something very unusual, turbulence. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, best thing to do might be drop out of warp and check because. You're not supposed to have any turbulence. The only time that you've that you know of turbulence being a thing here in hyperspace is somebody doing something to interfere with the operation of hyperdrives along a particular or in a particular space. Right. <clears throat> well, as soon as the uh and of course shaking... certain strange features of the galaxy, but 
those are no one knows what caused those. Right, right. Well, as soon as the uh, the shaking starts, um, Trevor's gonna slam on the brakes and call all hands to not battle stations, but all hands to stations. <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, Alistair, we might have a problem here. Yeah, I noticed the ship shaking. What's going on? <clears throat> yeah, that's a good thing. We're going to find that out real quick, aren't we? Uh, I'm pulling us out of hyperspace and uh, hyperjump and might want to get up here. On my way. <laughs> good call. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Alistair completely agrees with this call, you know, trusts his crew. He's on his way to the bridge, so. Okay. Um, you probably want to do some sort of looking around. Yeah. Am I scoping it out again here? Or? Uh, somebody is, yes. Yeah. And here's the good news. You have sensors. I was trying to pull the ship stuff. That's right. And the sensors give you advantage on scope it out rules. Sensor array. Yes. One thing I will say is that um, just to, you know, speed things along, um, a couple of things are immediately obvious and you don't have to roll for this. First is there is something kind of nearby uh, that is broadcasting a signal that makes warp travel here somewhat messy. This is something that you have really only seen uh, or really heard of as something used by militaries during the AI wars. Used used by the AI or against the AI? Both. Oh, so it's generic. It's it's fair. It's military grade technology that pulls people that makes warp travel difficult in an area and unsafe. It throws off the travel so much that you have to drop out of warp and recalibrate where you're going, which is probably why off uh, ahead of you, you see the Glacialis. Thanks for listening to City on the Hill Gaming. If you'd like to know more, find us online at cityonthehillgaming.com or by sending us an email at cityonthehillgaming at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at City on a Hill Game or find us online at patreon.com slash City on a Hill Gaming. Thanks as always to our Patreon backers, Grizzly Rich, JD, Brian, Sir Lord Epic Name, Andrew, Christina, and Tony. We really thank you guys for everything you do to support the show and we truly appreciate you. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day. Good start stuff. recording. All right. Uh, so we'll do sound check. I guess we'll start with sound check. Um, uh, ben, did, did oh. check sounds. Then the voices of the iron are like unto harps and lutes and pipes and trumpets and viols and organs, and like unto the countless choirs sang with words, began to fashion the theme of Iluvatar to great music, and a sound arose, endless, interchanging melodies woven in harmony that passes beyond hearing into depths and into heights, and the places of the dwelling of, the, of Iluvatar were filled with overflowing and the music of the echo and the echo of the music went out into the void and was not void. That was one sentence, wasn't it? That was one sentence. Yeah. It's like the book Nine of Proverbs. Nine lines. I'm I impressed. love this Aurelian so much. That's, yeah, Nine lines long. of prose and one period. <laughs> Stunning. Plenty of other punctuation. It was born about 100 period. years too late, I think. <laughs>
Yeah. Big fan. All right, Grant, what you got? In 1952, George Adamski, 1891-1965, met and spoke with a friendly Venusian in the desert. The alien fortunately left footprints in the sand, which George Hunt Williamson was able to examine. He found that the soles of the visitor's shoes had, in place of the usual corrugations, cryptic messages. Williamson was able to translate these and found that they told us Lemuria would soon reemerge. Who invented Lemuria? According to one version, it was the German naturalist Ernst Heinrich Haeckel, best known for his theory that, uh, sorry, 1834 to 1919, best known for his theory that ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. He was concerned to account for the modern distribution of lemurs and introduced the notion that there might have been a landmass in the Indian Ocean over which they could have migrated. Haeckel went on to speculate that the ancient Aryan race must have come originally from Lemuria before settling in Asia. So confident was he of this that in his The History of Creation in 1879, he published a map of the migratory routes he believed the Lemurians and Aryans had followed. An early staunch supporter of the Lemuria hypothesis was Alfred Russell Wallace, Darwin's colleague, born 1823, died in 1913, in elucidating the theory of evolution by natural selection. But the UK geologist Philip Lutley Sclatter, 1829-1913, may have beaten Haeckel to it, proposing the existence of Lemuria in 1855, again, to account for the distribution of lemurs. The assumed behavior of lemmings had convinced Sclater that such lost lands existed. The lemmings were, of course, trying to migrate to Atlantis. Oh, you managed to come full circle. That was... Of course. I mean, that's the only logical mm. route, right? I mean, to Indeed. Atlantis, right? And this yeah. is, of course, mm-hmm. more from John Grant's discarded science ideas that seemed good at the time. I, sorry, when you say, when you when you opened up with Venusian, you do mean person from the planet Venus, correct? Oh, yeah. No, the okay, Venusian, good, listen, good. there's a whole <laughs> thing to go into about Venusians, and we can do that another mm. time. I, okay, sure. Why not? I really don't want to, but all right. Good. Oh, you uh, know. I know. Uh, Peter, go ahead. One cannot maintain this detached posture throughout a normal day. It is best to set aside some short, dedicated time period to build the mental muscles involved. I deliberately set time aside on 30-minute walks to imagine my mind as a radio playing broadcasts from different stations. This was a helpful way to recognize all the different mental streams occurring in my mind. I would give radio stations to each I would give radio call signs to each of these stations I'd pick up on those walks. For example, I had K-Work for thoughts uh, about my consulting practice or K-Food for my thoughts about lunch. I think a lot about the different possibilities for sprucing up my ramen. I paid particular attention to a station I called K-Fear. I even gave K-Fear an imaginary disc jockey. He had a classic exaggerated baritone voice like Dr. Johnny Fever from a sitcom from my youth WKRP in Cincinnati. With K-Fear, it was especially critical to maintain a differentiated but slightly curious listening posture. When my rumination ramped up, I deliberately said to myself, oh, K-Fear is on again. What's it playing now? What is this? And I'm fascinated by it. That is from The Anxiety Opportunity by Curtis Chang. Came out very recently. I am about halfway through it. That's a good one. Very intrigued. Okay. Um, and then uh, Liz, what do you have, ma'am? All right. Um, 
Dalinar dodged, then dropped into a wrestling stance, though he didn't intend to get close enough to try for a hold. As the scribe counted off the time, Dalinar continued to dodge attacks, hovering around the outside of the ring, careful not to step over the line. Fen's son, though aggressive, displayed some innate wariness. The young man probably could have forced Dalinar out, but he kept testing instead. He came in again, and Dalinar scrambled away from the flashing sword. What How is... long should I go? Oh, no, that's That fine. is from Oathbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. Oh, that would not yes, be the first time he has been part of soundcheck. Um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. I want to say um, Andrea did that a time or two. Oh, I think Ben may have as well. Um, okay, and then, I mean Sanderson's real good. You can do a lot very worse. Popular. I'm. I've heard lots of things. Um, okay, and then I'm going to read um, from a website. Uh, from the creators of Harlem Unbound, Haunted West is a Weird West tabletop role-playing game set after the American Civil War. Haunted West is about hope through struggle. It is a game that amplifies the voices of often overlooked people of the Old West, the people who have been whitewashed by history. Venture into an alternate history that imagines a post-American Civil War world where Reconstruction flourishes for many years instead of meeting its abrupt end, and imagine a new reality with greater opportunities for all those in who inhabit the United States. Step out your door into the haunted west, but beware, it isn't for the faint of heart. Coming to a city on a hill RSS feed near you eventually. Probably. Because I made the mistake of bringing up playing Deadlands, and Deadlands really does not fit our structure or content limits. Um, and uh, <laughs> at all. As much as I love Deadlands, it's really not okay. No. Uh, at least not for us. Uh, and James from Geek at Arms was like, but instead, this. And I'm like, okay, sure, we'll, we'll look at that. That is uh, that is from a company called Darker Hue Studios. Uh, so that's something we're going to look into. I don't know what we're going to do with it, but we're gonna... I made the mistake of bringing that up, and now James wants to play an Old West game, so we're going to try and play an Old West game at some Good point. For him. That sounds awesome. Um, okay, Very so... Cool. 